In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text is the Gospel reading and the Epistle reading from St. Paul. You may be seated. In the verses immediately prior to our Gospel reading for today, Jesus says something that is absolutely foundational to the Christian faith. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. With these words, Jesus announces to us the plan of salvation. He did not come as a new Moses to lay more commandments upon us, but he came to fulfill the law which stands against us. He came to fulfill the commandments that we heard in our Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 20. He came to fulfill all of God's law, which exposes our sin before our God. As St. Paul will say later in his, in, in his epistle to the Romans, all have fallen short of the glory of God. No one has the righteousness that they need intrinsically in themselves, that perfect condition of the heart that is required to get into heaven. And so, your Lord Jesus has come to do it on your behalf. Just as all mankind fell in Adam's fall, all mankind is redeemed by the second Adam, Jesus. He is the one who keeps the law in your place. We call this, by the way, Christ's active obedience. Catechism kids, you'll remember that. But he also endured the punishment that your sins deserve. He lets the law do to him what it should do to us. This is his passive obedience. This shows that he is just. That is, he does not simply wink at our sin, that he must and he will punish us in our, he, he will and must punish sin. But it also shows that as well as being just, he is also the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. This faith in Christ Jesus is indeed the source of our salvation. It is the place that we receive that righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, which avails before God, which gets us into God's kingdom as his people. It is not my work. It is not my moral perfection that saves, but it is Christ. He has settled accounts with us. He has paid down to the last penny, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. That is the brief context for our gospel reading. Jesus is reminding us that we already have a righteousness that exceeds that of the most righteous-looking people that we see in the world. We have a righteousness that is won for us by Christ, that was given to us by his death at the cross and is received by us in faith. And so, that righteousness ought to have some sort of impact on our daily lives, real, practical application 
of this righteousness in our daily lives. Christ has not simply saved you from sin and death and then kind of left you to your own devices to deal with the mess of sin in this world until he returns for you. In saving you, your Lord Jesus has actually regenerated you. That is, that he has made you new. He has breathed new life into you. In our reading from Romans 6, St. Paul speaks of how in baptism you were crucified with Christ along with all of your sins and evil desires. The sin in you was put to death at the font. And by that same baptism, you have been raised with Christ to new life. Paul does not speak in some future tense here, but he speaks of the life that we live right now. As he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so this is where our theological rubber meets the practicality of the road. The, fra- the fact that we have been declared righteous by God in Christ Jesus means that God has also given us new life, new powers, as we sang in the opening hymn, to fight against our sins and evil desires. You are in Christ. And so, as St. Paul says, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what does that actually look like? Well, Jesus puts before us one of the commandments that we heard from Exodus 20. He puts before us the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. For the world, that only looks at the outward righteousness. This means that you can't simply unjustly take the life of another human being. And that kind of righteousness is good enough for them. It's sort of like when you were a kid and your parents got mad at you and said, well, at least I didn't kill anyone. (laughs) I didn't expect that. (laughs) Dear diary, the congregation laughed at my joke today. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) But on a heavier side, that kind of thinking is ultimately what leads them to saying that abortion is fine. They dehumanize the child in the womb to the point that they can say, that's not a human being, it's a clump of cells, we can simply get rid of it, and they can call abortion health care. Go figure. But people loved by God, people forgiven by God, that's you. You are covered In the righteous blood of Jesus, your Lord is calling you to something much greater than simply not taking the neighbor's life. He's calling you to more deeply understand what the commandments require of you. Jesus seeks to show you in this way the true way of love. While it often is expressed in outward terms, not hurting or harming your neighbor in his physical body, The way of love must begin in the heart. For the way of sin and death also begins at the heart. 
You cannot treat the outward symptoms of cancer and hope to cure the disease. You have to go after the tumor itself. For as Jesus says, for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. And so, the person who is angry with his brother, Jesus says, is under the same condemnation before God as the one who has raised his hand to slaughter his neighbor. The one who in anger drives him to insult his brother. Every angry word that is said or thought is the same as the thing that would get us into hell. Even as we simply are driving around and someone pulls out in front of you, that angry thought, a word that immediately jumps to our, our minds, maybe even to our lips, Jesus says we are liable to the hell of fire. Have you ever noticed how full of anger the world is right now? We can no longer respectfully disagree about anything. Any sort of disagreement is viewed as an attack on the essential nature of a person. The world's remedy for this is to create a whole category of wrongdoing, and they have labeled it hate crimes. They can think they think they can use some legal deterrent to change the hearts of those who would do evil. But again, this is nothing more than treating the symptom of a disease. But what Jesus is proposing here in our gospel reading is a real solution to the world's anger problem. His solution is to put to death the heart of man. His solution is to perform a heart transplant, if you will, to create a clean heart and renew a right spirit within man. The tumor is not on man's heart. The tumor is man's heart. If you think that sounds like a difficult proposition, I have bad news for you. It is. And it starts with you, the people that he has redeemed. With his word, Jesus is holding up a mirror in front of your face to show you the anger that lives within your heart, whether it be quick flashes in reaction to everyday things or something that is much more lasting and prolonged. And in so doing, Jesus is calling you to die, not eternally, but he is calling you to put to death your sins and your evil desires. He is calling you to crawl back to the font and drown your sins and your evil desires in the waters of your baptism. He is calling you to confess your sins, not to hide them from the light, but to confess them and lay them down at the foot of his cross, where they might be covered by his blood. But he does not do this in order to condemn you. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He comes not as the accuser, but as the one who has come to come to terms with you, canceling your debt of sin. 
He has loved his neighbor. He has loved you perfectly. And he has also borne the wrath of God over your sins, pouring the love of God into your hearts. And that, people loved by God, is precisely how Jesus seeks to eliminate the anger and murderous thoughts and destructive words and actions that are so common even within us. John reminds us in his first epistle, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So yes, Jesus does seek to show you in the mirror your sins of anger with the fifth commandment, and he does this in order to root out of you all sin to put to death the sin that is in you and pour his love into your hearts instead. And with this forgiveness and love that he has poured into our hearts, Jesus arms you with the tools that you need to battle, to do war against the sins and evil desires of the anger in your heart. And so when you are angry, flee to Christ for mercy for your sins. Drown them in the waters of your baptism. Walk in the newness of life with Christ Jesus. For you have already been reconciled to God the Father. And now I say to you, therefore be reconciled with one another. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.